This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Therapy is an important step in discovering the world around you and finding your place in it. Transpersonal psychology is a humanistic approach to therapy, which values wholeness, holistic approaches. The essential self is a combination of transpersonal, self-transcendent, and spiritual aspects of human experience. All of life's experiences are considered valuable and growth-enhancing and every individual is treated according to their innate striving toward a higher reality. Ultimately, in transpersonal psychology, healing and growth is approached through discovery of the centrality of self. Valeria interviews Maggie Levy. She earned her master's in clinical mental health and is currently a doctoral student in the final dissertation process to earn her doctorate in psychology with emphasis in health and wellness at University of Arizona Global Campus. Maggie works as a clinical therapist associate specializing in trauma-informed therapy approaches, working with clients who struggle with anxiety, depression, relational trauma from toxic patterns, PTSD, and complex trauma. She holds certifications as an EMDR-trained therapist, certified trauma-informed yoga instructor, and mindfulness meditation instructor. She believes in a humanistic, holistic approach to the therapeutic relationship and help support others in successfully transforming their lives in positive ways by increasing self-awareness of limiting thoughts and beliefs. She believes a combination of approaches aids in the journey to discover one's highest self and reach one's full potential. Meet Maggie at counselinganywhere.com. Here's the interview with Maggie Levy. In your own words, who is Maggie Levy? Uh, thank you. Uh, in my own words, I would say I am a associate therapist that works as a trauma-informed therapist and um, working in the healing arts. I would consider myself to be a, a lifelong learner if I had to put some labels on that just a person myself who's kind of exploring um, this journey of life, trying to tap into my own um, true essence and believe I've, I've found that path and that connection through the healing arts. When you say being in touch with that true essence, how would you describe that, Maggie? What does it feel like? What does it look like to find that true essence? That's a good question. Yes. Um, 
and kind of a, a, a topic that I still continue to explore. But I would say um, at least how that speaks to me at this point is feeling very aligned with with your true purpose, I would say. Just doing something that feels very meaningful and connected to the essence of who you are and meaning that kind of in the sense of a little bit of tapping into that authentic self as well as a little bit of transcendence of self combined and probably just really knowing that that work really speaks to you. Yeah, there's something about, it's almost like a very relaxing, trusting place, isn't it? I always go Mm -hmm. back to trust when I think about living authentically and from that essence place. I'm not sure if that resonates with you, but there's something about trust when I think about it. Yeah, just just trusting. I I hear what you're saying about um, maybe difficult to define in terms or words, but yet kind of a higher consciousness understanding of what that might be. Um, but like you say, just just trusting, just just knowing that you're in the place uh, that kind of just connects with that true essence of of who you are. You know, I, I think often of the the quote you hear where when, when you do something you love, it doesn't feel like work. Mm, yeah. And and and, yeah. I, and I feel like <laughs> understanding that um at least for me, uh, I understand that now by living it, um, you know, and so that that's something that kind of speaks to me that it's just something that is just such a match of, if I want to say, you know, that true self. That really resonates true. No words to describe in a way, but we can somehow, from a personal perspective, kind of, um, seems like it's trusting life, really. I'm trusting life to be itself through me and whatever is happening, it's okay. In a sense of being anything, could be a good thing or a bad thing or a not so pleasant thing, it doesn't matter. It's just trusting that it's life doing what it does. Mm-hmm. That's coming from a spiritual perspective. I would love to hear a bit more about your um spiritual understanding of life like the question would be what is spirituality to you what is to be spiritual maggie mm-hmm. yeah that's a really good question um i do think of spirituality as as such an important component and talking about healing even from that holistic view right where we include the spiritual aspect so if i had to put that in a definition, I would say for me, spirituality is something that cannot uh, maybe always be explained in those words. So a little of what we were just talking about where, you know, it's hard to define it in um, our terms, but yet kind of that feeling of just that trust or letting go and knowing there's just this, I say this higher purpose, you know, some alignment beyond ourselves I think of spirituality uh, very much in that, you know, kind of letting go of doing things, let's say, our way or forcing these things our way, but kind of things that manifest through us. So that's probably a little bit of how I might define some of that spirituality side. It's amazing how we find this sense of purpose and meaning when we start to do works or engage in actions that benefit ourselves and others at the same time. It, that really kind of almost like feels like it is the, 
the definition of spirituality without uh, defining it, just living it. Mm-hmm. That speaks to me. I, I I hear what you're saying there. And I feel that, you know, the fact that it's just something that it just connects with you and it's just something you feel and and just understand without maybe having a let's say a knowledgeable understanding, but a little bit more of that uh, conscientious understanding that this is the place to be. Yeah, right. It feels very natural. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. It's almost Mm -hmm. like being a flower, being a plant, (laughs) just doing what it does. (laughs) I love the quote on your website. It's by Dalai Lama. It Mm. says, the purpose of our life is to be happy. It sounds very simple, but it's very profound. I mean, everyone's looking to be happy and peaceful. I mean, I'm, it's all up to me. It's all about peace. And then from peace, happiness arises. But going back to happiness, do you distinguish happiness from joy? Or are they one and the same from your perspective? Mm, that's a really good question. I think uh, doing things that bring us joy can equate to happiness. And just kind of what we were talking about a little earlier here, when you shared that quote, you know, I thought back to that happiness of kind of aligning ourselves with our true nature and what it is that we are or who we are and and what calls to us. Um, I do think that's one of the ways to attain that happiness. What you said, too, some of that peace, just that connection. It feels very natural. Yeah, going back to that idea of coming from the true essence, aligning ourselves with that. And then it's almost like um, automatically, naturally, we become happy. It's a very interesting thing to see. And then a question that, that I often ask, maybe not to everyone, is that something that we practice for life, Maggie? Or this is a, an understanding in time? It is a state that we carry through our lives. I do think that is a uh, can change throughout life. I think maybe there's a chance to really tap into that part of us. Uh, I do think it takes some work to, I say, discover or really kind of uncover that part. But I don't know if that's 100% ever really done. Maybe, Maybe you think that might be for a time and then perhaps learn something new or have an enhanced self-awareness that leads you to understand here's some other parts that I've uncovered of this true essence that I hold. And I believe that's something that we all have, that we're born with. It's an ongoing process. It never really Mm -hmm. gets finished or done. No destination. I love that too, that idea. I believe that too. Um, Another question I have for you, an open question, is about mental health. How do you define what mental health is, what is to be mentally healthy? Um, That's another good question. You know, kind of talking about those holistic parts of us, our physical being, you know, our spiritual being, and then our mental being, and kind of thinking about that from not only a a brain state, but also a mind state, and just having um, very healthy, helpful ways of mentally being also being able to I think a big part of that is enhancing self-awareness on what our own conditioning and is what our beliefs are what our 
our thoughts are, you know, how we behave. So really getting to know those conditioned parts of us. And that's kind of part of that puzzle too, is being able to kind of shed the skin, if you will, of those conditioned beliefs and tapping into that inner guide that that leads us right to ourselves. So in a sense, it's that true self that's there, but kind of, let's say, just buried under all of that cultural conditioning or people's opinions or beliefs we've held as a child and taken on into adulthood. So that mental piece is really um, understanding how to challenge some of that and, and understand we're much more than some of these mental aspects, our thinking, our beliefs. Yeah, um, well, a billion times yes to that, to um, getting to know the conditioned parts of us and maybe not getting rid of them because I noticed that I went through a lot of trauma in my life and that I still feel some of those parts here. They don't seem to go away, but I'm aware that they are here and I'm always listening to them so they don't drive my car. <laughs> they don't drive my yeah. life. I do have a question about that. Um, what are some of the obstacles to healing these conditioned parts of us, Maggie? I, I think some of that is just not having the awareness. I think it takes a level of, you know, awareness that these parts exist, kind of what you said, maybe those are always parts of us, but when we can bring those parts into, you know, the light and into the awareness and start to heal those, like you say, where they're not driving the car, I say where they're not running the show, yeah. <laughs> but we are, you know, they're still a part of us. They guide us and we were aware of them and are able to just recognize where those are from you know, how they do contribute to our lives. Yes. Some say that this is actually what freedom is. Do you agree? Yes. I think that's a really, really great point, right? Very free, you know, kind of free to be back to that who you are not guided by all of these other parts that can tend to, especially if we're speaking about trauma, kind of start to run the show. But having that awareness of that and then being able to really accept those parts then take some action on how to navigate through those parts so that that true self comes out instead of these other parts of us that often I say can kind of uh, cloud that true self. And something that I noticed, it has to do when we are being driven by the conditioned uh, parts of us, those unhealed places, I noticed that there's a lot of reactivity. There's no pause, really. It's just kind of... Uh, it's very fast the way it responds to the environment and the situations and circumstances. Does it make sense, Maggie, from your perspective as a therapist? Yes, yes. It's such a good point as if we're talking about a little more of kind of the scientific parts or the physiological parts, the way that our bodies, um, let's say, were built to instinctually respond, especially if we're talking about that trauma, we kind of get locked into this um, survival mode and, and, and kind of conditioned in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad to hear that from you. I, I think I have heard from other therapists, I'm sure, here too. But a lot of times I go by my own experiences and how I see all this kind of developing and unfolding in my mm -hmm. own life. At this time, what do you feel is the world's greatest need? Mm. 
It's a couple things. I definitely think, you know, a, a connection and a collective connection and acceptance. But I do believe that that having that goes back to starting with that relationship with self. There was a, a saying I heard, and I, I believe it was by um, Peter Levine in his book, uh, Waking the Tiger. But the deeper relationship we have with ourselves, the more we can connect with others. And so I think to get that collective connection, let's say, that really connects us all. It kind of starts with those deeper connections that we do make with ourselves. And, um, you know, being able to just tap into that can then kind of, it's almost a finding of self and connecting with self can allow us to transcend self, which kind of works then for that greater good. So I think it's kind of a a layered answer on that. So you are a clinical mental health therapist, EMDR mm-hmm. trained therapist, certified trauma informed yoga instructor, mindfulness meditator instructor. So, your specialties, you specialize in trauma, PTSD, anxiety, uh, substance abuse and addiction, spirituality, and relationships and codependency. So, that caught my attention, as I said, off-record. Relationships, codependency. What is codependency? Mm, that's a good question, and it's uh, it's a loss of self. It's kind of, you know, I want to say uh, living for others or almost a hyper-focus on everyone else, and so kind of the opposite of what I find to be very powerful and healing, which is that, you know, embracing self, finding self, knowing true self. I think codependency, uh, if you look at the traits, let's say, you know, it has some really um, beautiful traits in there. But often I think sometimes, you know, it's about this balance. Our, Our really great qualities can sometimes become a deficit, let's say, of not kept in balance. And so I think it's learning how to, to stay with those beautiful traits that you are, but in a way that serves self or at least taps into that self first. And then again, being able to have that can then lead to helping others. But, you know, the the age old uh, analogy we hear about that oxygen mask, right? Having to take care of ourselves first to be able to um, be filled to serve others. I interviewed recently somebody about narcissism, and she talked about this, this disconnect that narcissists, they disconnect from their own feelings. So would you say that narcissists are codependents? That's a really great, great question, you know. I think there's a little bit of difference in those two, um, although maybe narcissists are a little disconnected and, and, and kind of, if we're talking about in a clinical term, lack an inability to introspect, but a little more of the narcissism is very self-serving in the sense that it's not thinking about others' feelings. It's kind of, a, you know, an inability to see beyond self where I see codependency a little more about a hyper focus on everybody else, you know, and kind of that inability to think about that for yourself first. That's an interesting twist there. Yeah, it's different. So narcissists, they're very uh, self-centered 
it's all about them, but codependents, they are different in a sense of giving themselves to others and hyper-focused. That's interesting to hear. What is the, the cause for that, Maggie, to become a codependent? Because for a while I thought I was. Mm-hmm. I was always very hyper-focused on other people and very concerned about what they thought of me and trying to please everyone around me, especially my husband. Yeah, what are the causes Yeah, that's a really great question. And at least so far, um, I think a lot about that. I like to always go to what's the root, you know, where does this start and and kind of knowing where it comes from to know how to be able to find solutions for it. So at least so far and what I've seen, I would say this is very conditioned starting even very much in childhood even if we had very great families or not, but it's just ways we kind of learn to adapt and respond in families or even later in relationships that can kind of form these patterns. It's kind of back to that conditioned response, right? And maybe one of these ways that served us well at a time being, but now like your example, you realize, you know, maybe now that's not quite how I want to respond or, you know, that's not quite serving me. I would love to hear a bit more about, I know you have been talking about that, the approach of transpersonal psychology, which is the um, humanistic approach to therapy, which values wholeness, holistic approaches. I love that. And I don't hear that often, this term transpersonal psychology. And I'm wondering why, is that something that's new? Uh, You know, it's not actually. Uh, Transpersonal psychology was developed, I believe it was in about the 1960s, but kind of um, pioneers in transpersonal psychology were uh, Abraham Maslow and Viktor Frankl. So so two people I I, I think, you know, are, are... very much talked about within the field of psychology. But for myself, it's interesting. I, I've done this for a while and, and kind of more in my doctoral program, I took this course on transpersonal psychology and it just uh, very much was a new introduction for me and connected. And I'd say it's definitely about, you know, could also be known as the spiritual psychology So it's a little more on that spiritual side, right, of our human experience. Yeah, and just something that that really speaks to me, you know, and and in a time where I think uh, holistic approaches are very uh, common and we're kind of seeing these ways to treat the whole person instead of just parts, it just seems like such a perfect match and, you know, kind of talks about the things maybe that science can't always Uh, define, you know, things that kind of go beyond self or ego, a little more on maybe some of the spiritual experiences in life, even altered states of consciousness. So kind of that's maybe a little bit of transpersonal psychology in a snapshot. When you say treating the whole person, not just the parts, and I wonder if you need to start with parts in order to achieve that understanding of wholeness. Because mm-hmm. I notice that every time I think about who am I when I ask that question, it's just I can't find this center point like this person in me that is a, the entity as a whole. I find many parts and that compose the wholeness, the, the person that I think I am. I wonder if that's what happens. You treat parts in order to get to that sense of wholeness. Is that how it works? Yes. And I, and I think when I'm saying the, the wholeness or holistic too, it's looking at just 
there's a lot of parts, but in that sense, meaning, you know, the, the mental part, the physical, the spiritual. So kind of that mind, that mind, body, spirit connection in that sense. Um, yeah. So, you know, the idea is, you know, you can't wholly be healthy of one of those parts, let's say mind, body, or spirit is not healthy. The other cannot be. And, and I think often we look at that mind body and starting to really connect those pieces, but, you know, looking at that, that spirituality piece as well. And that, that's a very broad term that's going to look different for, for many different people. So a very open term. That is true. Yeah. Which is really resembles life. The life is, life is so open. Yeah. I love that because from my experience, tapping into spirituality of my spiritual self has helped incredibly with all the other parts. It's just, ah, it made a huge difference understanding the big picture of life, which is basically unconditional love. Coming from that place, seeing everything as perfection and nothing to fight for or, or fight about. That kind of uh, gives me that sense of peace immediate, instantly. And another piece of your work is mindfulness therapy. You speak of this kind of work as enhancing and helping um, self-awareness, helping us to become more self-aware. So I would love to hear more about that too. How does it work when you're working with a client on mindfulness therapy? Yes, mindfulness. Uh, and this is another term we hear a lot, let's say, in current day, but, you know, really kind of understanding what mindfulness is. It's just kind of a a self-observation, you know, an observation or self-witnessing of ourselves without judgment, just kind of seeing things as they are. So looking at that in the present moment of, of what are my thoughts and my feelings and, and, and some of that conditioning, right? Just recognizing what is that um, and being very connected with self, but not judging self, not as this is good or bad. It, it, it just is. And, you know, through that mindfulness, the hope is to gain some self-acceptance of these are these are things and how I think or how I behave, uh, how I feel. And then maybe going with those or back to what we said, being able to choose intentional ways to respond or interact differently. But but through that kind of quieting down and being able just to be in the moment and observe self and really understand your own thoughts and emotions. Uh, that's really the, the gateway to self-awareness, which then hopefully kind of leads to that self-acceptance. And then kind of what we've been talking about, you know, that understanding or, or uncovering, if you will, yeah. of that, that true self. I love when you say that, the uncovering of that, yeah, of the true self, because it's here now, actually, but it's covered. We are not able to see most of us, right? Mm -hmm. It's the um, self-love. I know you just mentioned self-acceptance. Would you say is the same as self-love? I do use these words a lot. I mean, the concept of self-love. Is that one concept, self-acceptance is self-love, or they are different from your perspective? Yeah, that's a really great question. I actually uh, explore that often or have been, you know, kind of asked that. And, you know, I mean, maybe there's varying uh, perspectives on that. But I do think they're somewhat one and the same, you know, the more that you accept yourself and maybe through mindfulness, just accepting that, you know, these are their ways I think 
and, and feel, I don't have to go on that. You know, I was conditioned. So I accept that, but through that, I'm able to, to love myself instead of judging myself for that. It's just uh, the more I can maybe understand and accept myself as I am and have been conditioned, hopefully the more I just love myself as I am with those, with those uh, conditioned ways and seeing that just as, as something that we all have. Mm. So I think they're tied together. What an amazing journey this is. Right, Maggie, this experience, um, which we call life, it's just mm-hmm. incredible. I think a lot of about life is of a dream. In a dream, we don't know how it started and we don't know how it will end or how it ended. It just seems like to be this continuous happening, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. unfolding. So it's interesting that we in this in life we have a sense that this is happening for a reason, and then sometimes we just create a lot of mental, intellectual ideas of what life is. But it feels to me that's um, all about, as you said earlier, being present in the moment, being here now and present to or with what is present. It keeps coming back to me. And then the more I practice that, being in the moment, the more open to life I become and also joyful. It seems like it's an invitation to joy and happiness. It's amazing because I'm not dwelling in the past. I'm not in the future. So there's more room for creativity, for love, just for a lot of good feelings to come and and visit. Do you want to elaborate or um, make any comments on that, that being in the moment (laughs) is such a Mm -hmm. magical thing. It really, really is. It, it's very true. I, I I really like a lot of what you said there and just even the self-kindness, self-compassion and just really learning to embrace the moment and, and what that really means. Uh, like you say, you're not in these regrets of the past or these worries of the future, but just in the here and now and, and these concepts that, you know, many, I've learned from many spiritual leaders along the way, but, you know, that really it's all we have. And, and like you said, that that kind of resonated about tapping right into that, um, those feel good feelings, you know, the happiness in the moment. And, and, and maybe if it's not, that's okay too, you know, but recognizing every moment's changing. Um, and so just kind of going with, with what is, you know, uh, I'm thinking of some, some tools, you know, when the moment's good, kind of really savoring that in the here and now. And, and when the moment's maybe not as comfortable understanding, you know, this, this too shall pass, right? So we kind of just that ebb and flow of each moment and what comes, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, very powerful to be able to kind of have that mind state. It is very, very powerful. And also, it's a challenge for most people, most of us, to stay here present. And it takes practice, right, Maggie? It is a practice, isn't it? It's not something that just happens. No, I definitely agree. It is not something, it is a practice. And and just, you know, the more you practice and and. It is not necessarily our natural mind state. So definitely take some intentional effort at work and, and ongoing practice to uh, be able to to live that or have that, that mindset. Mm-hmm. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions, Maggie. Before I ask them, would you like to add anything else or add anything that we left unsaid? 
I think, you know, just we touched on quite a few of these of these topics and concepts. So I really appreciate uh, your, your time and kind of your your guidance on where to go. And uh, just really liking that idea of, you know, that journey to uncover self and, and ways to do that and kind of our theme of just really being kind to yourself and compassionate along that way and kind of going with the ebbs and flows and and being able to embrace being in the moment. So kind of a summary of all of that and uh, really just that intentional effort that stuck out what you said there at the end, you know, about life in general. I think about that, you know, it, it does take this intentional effort, but the payoff to that is hopefully um, some enhanced well-being through those efforts of having that intention. Yeah, right. It has been very much the case with me. Yeah, from my experience. So it pays off big time. <laughs> big I time. agree. Same for me. And at some point, it doesn't feel like a practice, really, because then we just flow with it, with the moment. And then it feels really, although we are making an effort, but it doesn't feel like it. It just feels good, really good. So my last questions, I'll ask you two of them. What is another word for life? Two words popped in my mind when you asked me that question. Uh, one was opportunity and one was learning. Uh, so maybe an opportunity for learning, <laughs> maybe a combination of both, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, kind of maybe this opportunity of whatever we make it. Of creating our own realities in a way or, or merging back with the ultimate reality, absolute reality of the self, right? The true essence. I love that. My last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? That's a good question. Three experiences. Uh, I think it would be right up there with some of that self-acceptance and love. I think that's so powerful. I would wish everyone could tap into that. Um, even the self-awareness, I, I don't think that's maybe not everyone gets that gift before their time here, um, you know, ends. And so I think having just that self-awareness with that acceptance and love and, and genuinely to be able to uncover that true self, to really embrace, accept, and just honor that true self that is in each one of us, whatever that may mean um, for you. So actually uncovering, returning to self, yeah, I love how you said that throughout the conversation has been the main theme. It just covers everything. <laughs> Once you are you have uncovered the true self, then yeah, you're truly living. I really believe that if it is a belief system. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Meg, for your presence here today, for what you do, this beautiful intention to help others, for sharing wisdom and everything else in between. Thank you. Thank you so much. And before we say goodbye for today, where can we find more information about you, your work, services, and future projects? Sure, that's great. Thank you. Um, you could actually visit my website, which is uh, www.counselinganywhere.com. And uh, feel free to review a little more on uh, what services I offer or be able to reach out um, through, that, through that portal. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye for now, Maggie. Bye.
Thank you for listening. To learn more about Maggie Levy and her work, please visit counselinganywhere.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.